Hello, everyone. Um, so first three principles. Uh, we're going to cover the last one today on, um, you know, hope and tragedy in Isaiah. So can you remember the first three? Not all at once. Not everybody just, you know, say all of them immediately. Well, one was about if you don't listen to God, you end up listening to other people. The wrong people. Right. Yes, yes. yes. Wonderful. Asking God for help and trusting him to keep us from fearing others. Ah, oh, boom. Nailed it. And then uh, we had one that was, uh, you know, uh, well, actually, I probably just combined two. So that's that's good enough. All right. Well, the one today um, will be our last one. And uh, maybe the one of the more practical ones, because it has to do with uh, the time frame today and because it's a little bit more clear. Uh, and that one is um, the small mistakes uh, we make today can have lasting consequences, um, uh, particularly for future generations. And so um, that's what we're going to read about. We're going to read Hezekiah. There's three different sections there to read, and it was pretty difficult uh, to kind of come up with a time frame for all of it. Uh, if you noticed, the time frame was pretty weird. And uh, just you know, as a way of reminding you in the Old Testament narrative, um, you know, things like uh, Chronology is kind of a secondary concern. The main point of a lot of it is to get across um, information, important information that you need, and not necessarily to comment on it and or give it to you in a specific um, timeline or chronology. So anyway, so let's talk a little bit about that today, and then Leslie will put a little bit more meat on this uh, mm -hmm. next week. Um, so the small, silly choices that we make today uh, may not impact us, at least not immediately, but will and can for future generations. Oh, a side thought. Uh, we have a survey online. The survey is a moving forward survey. It helps us do a couple of different things. Think about next semester. Think about small group leaders. Think about you college students. Uh, normally, when we do surveys, we get about 52, 53 people sign up. So a good, you know, half, three quarters, I don't know, of our church. But if we didn't do 75, Okay, challenge. We're going to pick a random person somehow in a random generator and do a $75 gift card to a business or shop. So let's get that extra 25 people signed up so that we can make really good decisions about um, how we're uh, moving forward next semester. Okay. And is that survey tip like we typically do where it's like not one per household, it's every person, right? Um, you can do it each but you can also do it as a spouse it's only five questions so if you do it as a spouse we're counting that as another person okay uh, so uh yeah so kevin you really need that gift card huh what do you need? <laughs> i just want to make sure i do it right you what, know what business i don't want to skew anything oh uh, okay okay yeah skew the results yeah i don't want to do that all right so small silly choices we make today may not impact us or at least not immediately but will future generations about 60 years ago last week a rocket went up into the air and within about two and a half minutes was blown up, all right? Thankfully, no one was in it. And um, what happened ultimately was, and it's a little bit complex and I don't really understand it. It's become easier to understand as people have uh, changed what actually happened. People would say that there was a comma missing in the mathematical um, formula, there was a hyphen missing. It was actually an overbar. If you don't know what an overbar is, don't worry, I have no idea what it is either. But apparently an overbar was missing in one of the mathematical coding 
um, the designs I did, and that meant that it ultimately they lost a two hundred million dollar rocket. So this is a sort of one of many uh, stories or examples of a really really tiny mistake having huge consequences. Okay, and often those huge consequences, like in this case, um, you know, are they're kind of found out when they have immediately big um, results. But what about those ones that are small mistakes that go sort of unseen and hidden and still have major consequences? Those are often the ones that are much more difficult uh, to figure out and to look back in retrospect to think, how would we have done that different? And that's kind of what we're talking about today. Hezekiah makes a pretty big mistake, and it's even kind of unclear uh, how this impacts Israel over the next couple of years. Um, but throughout the scripture, we have these stories of people making what, what seem like small mistakes. Samson would be another example uh, that have huge consequences for um, generations to come. And so I want to go through this story pretty quickly with you. Uh, basically, Hezekiah, after you know fighting off um, the king of Assyria with God's help, obviously, um, comes down with a sickness, which apparently is a boil. I don't even know what that is, to be honest, but apparently it's life-threatening. And uh, so Isaiah comes to him, says, hey, put your things in order. You're going to die and not recover. Hezekiah pleads with God. Well, first Isaiah to plead with God, say, no, I've done all these great things. Can you please let me live longer? So God says, sure, I'll let you live another 15 years. And then um, as God does, tells uh, Isaiah that he's going to give him a sign. This sign creates quite a bit of controversy among scientists. <laughs> but basically, uh, uh, the sun goes backwards 10 steps. Uh, in one version, he gets an option of whether he wants to go forward or backward, which I think is, is a little bit funny. Uh, and Isaiah sort of wisely says, well, it's probably not that big of a deal for it to go forward since it sort of naturally does that. <laughs> Let's try the backward route. Uh, and so to prove that he is going to survive, the sun goes back. All right. And um, so after he's healed, um, they, uh, they send an envoy from Babylon, which has at this point become sort of a, even a bigger power, particularly in the south and Assyria. And this envoy is supposed to congratulate Hezekiah on his speedy recovery from his boil. And there's a little bit of a backstory to this. And that backstory is that Hezekiah sort of did something pretty ingenious to keep the Assyrians out of Jerusalem. And what he did was he blocked a um, sort of a, a stream of water, uh, a stream of water that allowed uh, water to still make it into Jerusalem from a different way, a way that would have given Jerusalem the water they needed, but kept Assyrians from being able to access it. And this just one sort of technological marvel allowed uh, uh, Jerusalem, the fortified city, to stay pretty, um, uh, I guess, fortified versus Assyria because Assyria didn't have access to water. So his name was already kind of well known. And so there's sort of a hint from these passages that the Babylonians also wanted to come and just sort of meet the guy that really did this pretty miraculous thing at the time. And, and apparently this, um, I don't even really know what you call it, is uh, still in existence today. You can go see it, the Pool of Siloam, 
Um, and uh, anyway, so this that weird part of the story where he does this technological marvel that helps them in battle is another reason why probably the Babylonians come to see him. Well, he takes this as a sort of more than just a, an honor, and it says that in his pride, he shows them all the riches from the temple. And now this is the second time that Hezekiah has made some less than wise decisions, it seems, with his money. Okay, the first was when he gave all of his money to Assyria to keep them from, um, you know, attacking. And that only made them want to attack even more. And then the second time showing the Babylonians all that he has in the temple. Now, remember, Hezekiah does some really great things. He gets rid of a lot of these um, terrible practices from around the nations, brings people back to a worship of God only. Um, but in this moment, apparently he's messed up. And the scripture says it was his pride that allowed him um, to sort of make this mistake. Isaiah immediately counters him, says, hey, what have you done? And uh, he sort of says, well, I showed him everything I have. Isaiah says there's going to be a time when everything there will be plundered and all of the nations um, uh, will sort of come out against you and take what it is that you, uh, you have. And then Isaiah makes this really weird um, statement after, right? Anybody remember what the statement is? Now, it's really hard, not Isaiah, sorry, Hezekiah, and, and to think of Hezekiah as a good person after this is sort of like his closing line is really difficult. If that didn't strike you, then maybe you weren't reading close enough. So what was the final line that our good king Hezekiah says uh, after he's been told that future generations will be plundered uh, by the very Babylonians who saw um, this treasure? Didn't he say something like it doesn't, is it, it isn't going to affect him? Yeah. yeah, he's like, okay, this is good news because it's not going to happen in my lifetime. <laughs> All right, so <laughs> obviously not a good thing, uh, and and he is uh, very much reprimanded for this very prideful uh, kind of consideration of his own mistake later on. But it's weird again in chronology because it ends just with him basically being like, "Cool, at least it's not going to happen to us." It's like I made a mistake. But hey, as long as my kids have to pay for it, then I'm going to be really okay with that. Uh, well, that's obviously a huge problem. And thankfully, we know that uh, Hezekiah repented of his pride, uh, as it's told to us in the other uh, accounts. Um, but that just sort of one moment from this passage, I think, brings to bear um, what we want to talk about today, uh, which is this idea that the small, silly choices we make um, may not impact us, or at least not immediately, uh, but can very much for future generations. I'm going to share with you two passages because um, I want to kind of counter the belief that God is holding on to all of the small, terrible things that we've done and waiting to either pay us back or pay someone else back because of it. It's definitely not a scriptural idea. Uh, some people would quote the passage or think about the passage, you know, the sins of the fathers passed down onto their kids, as if there's no way to escape the things that we've done, no way to ultimately get better. And that's certainly not the truth. In fact, Numbers 14, uh, one of the passages where that um, sins pass from generation to generation, notice what is actually being said here. All right. In Numbers 14, he says, the Lord is long suffering and of great mercy. Forgiving iniquity and transgression, and by no means, though, clearing the guilty, visiting iniquity of the fathers upon their sons to the third and fourth generation. 
what he's ultimately talking about here is not that he's visiting all of our small mistakes onto everybody subsequently and making a bigger deal out of something small. He's simply saying the opposite, which is that God is long-suffering, ready to forgive, ready to have mercy, but will not allow the guilty to go unpunished. Uh, those who choose to do what they do uh, will not get out of it um, simply because God you know, is merciful. Another passage I want to share with you comes from Proverbs 16, and this one is going to sort of lead a little bit more of our, I think, discussion today, and that is uh, pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. So I think this is sort of a good way of connecting up what exactly has happened in Hezekiah. His pride goes before this major destruction. There's no doubt that because Babylon got a uh, insight into just how much treasure uh, Jerusalem had, that that hastened their desire, at least their desire, if not their actual ability uh, or uh, motivation, maybe, I don't know, uh, to go and actually conquer them. And in less than a 70-year period, basically three kings, um, the entire land would go into complete exile under the Babylonians. And so uh, his pride goes before destruction, his haughty spirit before uh, the fall. Let me kind of mention a few examples of how I see this connected in um, sort of pandemics, natural disasters, and things like that. Now you think about um, global warming for, for a moment. And while uh, the debate about global warming um, is often about whether it exists or not, which is quite unfortunate, uh, when we really think about what's happening as our planet heats up, um, is the idea that people are having an impact, and I think the bigger question is how much uh, of an impact that is and how, what are real ways that we can actually sort of counter that and do something about it. But lots of small acts of sort of prideful indifference um, have basically changed the face of our global climate and environment. As people have made decisions that seem very much um, I don't know, sort of indifferent, numb, um, but still prideful because it's not all the nations <laughs> that are contributing to this. It is very much the few um, that choose to often ignore the impact that they're having on um, you know, our climate. And of course, the idea that we're just basically passing this on to the next generation to deal with. So there again, we have that kind of idea of pride becoming uh, pride before the fall small problems affecting people later on. Think about some of these forest fires. Some of these forest fires are natural, but many of them are actually caused by, again, people sort of careless uh, camping fires. They're throwing cigarettes into um, you know, areas they ought not to. Again, a prideful carelessness that has caused some major destruction and major issues, um, particularly in uh, sort of the Western part of uh, our country. Even natural disasters to a degree, when you think about how uh, people's response to natural disasters is either this sort of prideful assessment of risk, it can never happen to us, uh, or in a, kind of an irony, um, a sense of, well, we're powerless against it, so what are we going to ultimately do? Uh, there's nothing that we can really you know, do to you know, sort of make this any better. But often it's the prideful assessment of risk that causes people to continue to build in the same places uh, you know, that they've, they've built, or 
people being forced to live in places uh, that, uh, that are unsafe. I could go on and on about that, but we really don't have time to, to talk uh, in detail, at least not today. And then we get to our current pandemic, and I think there we see and have seen this sort of prideful selfishness that goes from thinking, well, if I'm not immediately affected by this, and I don't know someone, then somehow it's really kind of not real to me, and I'm not going to really make decisions based on anybody else's well-being. I'm pretty much just going to do uh, sort of what matters to me. And so all of these examples, in my mind, are basically small things, daily kind of things, careless, indifferent, call it what you want, but they're still ultimately based in pride. Because I think that's the thing that's so uh, important uh, about understanding, um, you know, kind of what the biblical story here is telling us. And that is that our small mistakes are often not just small mistakes. They're representative of much bigger issues, in this case, pride or attitudes or sins that we have often ignored until they show up in their sort of cumulative form. We don't take opportunity to address these small problems, small issues, while they're small until they become big. And then by then, it's sort of a full-blown issue and we're uh, you know, having to deal with uh, the destruction of a nation in this case or uh, things like that. And I think the hope uh, in this is that God gives us the opportunity in these small mistakes, if we're willing and if we're careful, to be able to see how they represent bigger issues in our lives, issues that we can take on at that small uh, sort of micro level so that they don't become much bigger, terrible, awful issues later down the road. Um, and, uh, and so I think that's kind of the point that, uh, that I want to make um, today. So I want to uh, take an opportunity real quick. I mean, if you have any questions, great. But I really, in the Zoom calls, it seems more important to me that we actually talk with each other rather than listen to someone. And so um, that's sort of the kind of my main idea. And I really want you guys to spend a good 15 minutes rather than 10 today in your kind of these smaller groups just talking, uh, unless you have any questions. And I have three questions for you, and these are uh, hopefully not too difficult. Uh, but the first one is basically just how have you seen your pride play out in small ways regarding this pandemic? All right. So what are ways that we're going to post these questions for you so that you can see? Uh, how have you seen your pride play out in small ways uh, regarding this pandemic? So you're going to start with kind of yourself. Um, I mentioned one a couple of weeks ago, uh, really kind of two. One was that, you know, I really... Um, uh, sort of I'm very judgmental when people are even remotely around me without a mask on. <laughs> and uh, it's not so much that I'm really worried about other people. It's always that I'm worried about them being close to me. Uh, and the irony of that, of course, is that I want to, you know, sort of hit them over the head and tell them that they ought to be doing what they're doing. But I didn't do anything until it was mandated for me. Uh, and so there's really kind of a pride, a sense that I'm better than they are. Um, and I'm any way that I want to sort of look at it, it's going to make me out to be good and not have nothing to change and make them out to be all bad and have everything to change. And I think that's the idea of this pride thing. So how have you seen your pride play out in small ways regarding this pandemic? The second one, and this is just a more general question, how have you seen our society's pride playing out during this pandemic? How do you see us as a society uh, and that pride um, being, being played out during this, this pandemic? And uh, I really want you to think through these questions a little bit more deeply than just the two sides of things. Uh, I think we really pretty much know that we're all 
in this church at least, pretty liberal. We all think I wear masks. We all think the pandemic is really important. So I don't think, you know, being able to point out how all the non-mask wearers are prideful is really going to challenge us much. I really want you to think through a little bit deeper than just uh, agree with everybody who's in your group. <laughs> Not that you have to like reverse your opinion, but what are some ways that we're prideful for those of us who have been very judgmental of those who don't and things like that. And then um, the third question, if you get time to get to it, because I think it's a much more difficult one, uh, what do you think is the end result of that pride uh, if it's left to grow, both in our own life and in our own society? What does this look like? Um, uh, and, you know, let's not take the attitude of Hezekiah and not worry about what it looks like. Let's just deal with what we got now and actually think about what does this look like if left unchecked, uh, whether it's in my own life or whether it's in the life of our, our society. Um, because, you know, and this is sort of tangentially related, but the, the COVID is going to change how we do life uh, for years and years and years to come. Uh, in the first month of this um, you know, pandemic, so it was like, I think maybe the beginning of April, I was on a, uh, an interview. <laughs> uh, Josh Robinson wrote me into it. And um, this lady at one point was asking something about consequences and, and something. And I said, well, you know, this, this pandemic thing is going to, to last and affect people for, you know, years to come. Uh, I would think at least, you know, three years to come. And she kind of like stopped and was surprised and was basically like, oh, I hope not. No, I can't possibly think that's going to happen. Sort of like it was a pessimistic view. <laughs> and later on, that was edited out of the video. Uh, but I think that's uh, a way that, you know, we can see that even a month, you know, four or five months ago, people didn't think this was going to last much longer than a month or two months. Uh, and now I think it's gotten to the point where some of us at least recognize this is going to be something that changes how a lot of us think about our world uh, for years to come. And for those of us who are decently financial stable, financially stable, it may not have that uh, big of an economic factor on us. But for some people, this is going to have a massive economic impact uh, for many, many, many years to come. And so starting to think now about how, um, you know, what the future will ultimately hold and look like, I think will help us prevent um, our sort of indifference and carelessness towards what we're doing now. All right. So how have you seen your pride play out in small ways regarding this pandemic? How have you seen our society's pride play out during this pandemic? And then if you have time, what's the end result of that pride if it's left to grow? both in your life and in our society. Thanks for joining us for our sermon podcast. We would love for you to join us on Sunday morning or in one of our small groups during the week. And you can get more information about that at DentonNorthChurch.com.